Right, you want to do your intros? The Cinematic Sausage Season 3, Take 1. G and S, everyone. You are listening to the voice of Warren H. Cummings, and this is the Cinematic Sausage Podcast. In this edition, we step back to where the British carry-on film franchise began. Broadcaster Martin Holmes revisits a favourite of his, the very first carry-on film. Now, during the review, Martin may use a couple of fruity terms, all within a context, I can assure you. So, there is your content warning. So stand by for a film about conscription, copulation and kindness, and perhaps a bonkers connection with Full Metal Jacket. This is Carry On Sergeant. William Hartnell as Sergeant Grimshaw, Shirley Eaton as Mary, a honey pining for a honeymoon, just married to a ripe Charlie, Bob Monkhouse. You want leave to get married, do you? Oh no sir, no sir, it's just that I want to arrange things. Dirty rotter. Eric Barker as Captain Potts. Dora Bryan, the nappy cook, who whips up a little passion with Kenneth Connor as Private Horace Strong, the hypochondriac. Why you so frightened of love, Horace? Hattie Jakes, the M.O. Bill Owen as Corporal Copping. Charles Hawtrey as Private Go Lightning. Hello, Martin. How are you? How am I? I'm I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm ready for this bit of film. It's nice to have you back. It's nice to have the sausage back in place, as it were. Oh, thank you very much. We're sizzling in the pan. I was I was you know, deeply deeply worried when when you went sort of decided to eat the sausage and stick it in the bun and never never be heard of again. I, uh, I blew dust off sausage, put a bit of relish on it. I, and, I think uh, there it just is. having having a break sometimes is a really you know it's it it, it recharges the batteries and I think hmm. it's a good thing. <laughs> I actually bake my I bake my. Do sausage. you? Do them in the oven. I, 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 I must admit, I have um, an air fryer. I can't believe we're talking about sausages, but we're going to keep this in anyway. But I have an air fryer for my sausages. Oh, um, how very I, modern. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, if I hadn't, when I didn't have an air fryer, I don't fry my sausages. They go in the oven as well. Right. If listeners, you have a different way of cooking a sausage, please let us know in the comments. However, if you choose to do it in the cinema, I suspect you will get expelculated. <laughs> All I can all I can think of is every time we talk about sausages is um, strangers, right? Where um, I was going to say, Bull, yeah, Bullman's character is he likes obsessed. A he likes a sausage beano, as he calls it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember the time when he sat in his. I can't. I, I uh, sat in his um, little room that he's renting, and he takes out this primer stove and <laughs> puts a frying pan on and starts cooking sausages. And the room starts filling up with smoke. Oh dear! Welcome to the film show, <laughs> culinary section. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you want to I've, talk about today? Well, no, I think I've noticed something with you. Oh I've yes, a little something about you. Oh dear. Yes, you have a penchant, and that's not very easy to say, no, about isn't. the 1950s. Oh, I suppose I do, in some ways, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, so we've we've had Blue Lamp, Hell Drivers, mm. and now that brings us on to our next one, which mm. is? Well, uh, 
generally I'd, I'd like to uh, address the carry on film series generally but specifically i thought well we start at the beginning carry on sergeant is is what i am here to discuss with you this day marvelous and an excellent choice if i may say so myself i did revisit it mm. literally yesterday it's basically and, 80 minutes, isn't it? It's not a long film by any stretch no, of imagination. Not, no. But what I think is interesting about it per se is because it's not part of the ongoing Carry On series, because it wasn't planned to be, it was it was made as a one-off film, it feels like a very different beast. And I think it's an interesting comedy film on its own in its own right, on its own merits. It's an interesting British comedy. As a standalone piece, it's quite wonderful. Mm. And also, it plays that interesting game of spot the faces. And we're mm. not talking about the major stars in it as well, but we, mm. we can come on to that later. Well, it's, but, it's got a lot of baggage. The thing is that the Carry On series brings with it a lot of baggage. And actually, yeah. I I would say, you know, hand on heart, I'm not a fan of the Carry On films generally. I'm really not. I find I find them a bit broad, and I, I find them uh, some of the, certainly the later ones are not to my taste. In the same way, I'm not a mad keen on the uh, the confessions films or the window, yeah. you know, the, the wind, that sort of thing. It's it's not my kind of comedy. I like a much more gentle comedy. But the interesting thing to me is that I mean there are good colour carry on. I mean, uh, screaming is very good. I, you know, I think that's a, it's a very good film. But actually what i find is that i am more drawn more and more drawn to the black and white carry-ons and i find the black and white carry-ons to me now are very much the ones that i would watch if i wanted to watch any carry-on film i know that you know there are ones that are considered to be all out classics and i get that i understand that but for me in terms of strong comedy films in the tradition of people like will hay in the tradition of even Laurel and Hardy, you know, even Chaplin, the black and white ones really work for me in a way that somehow the later ones, maybe because of that loss of innocence, perhaps, you know, it, yeah. it could be something like that. They feel very innocent, but they feel they feel smart and they don't feel what's the word I'm looking for? They don't feel brutal. If if that if brutal isn't the word, it's sordid. Maybe, but they don't. They're not. They're not being uh, judgmental. They're not being, you know. They're not making people look foolish, you know. I, I think um, I'm going to use a, um, a fashion reference here. Mm. I think the black and white ones are a smart blazer, mm. whereas some of the later, very later, mm. of the Carry On colour versions are more of a cheap tatty corduroy jacket. Well, yes, maybe, but I also think that, that I think the thing about the black and white ones specifically is they have a proper plot. They have a, an ongoing yeah. arc that runs through. There's a story that has a, a beginning, a middle and an end. It's not set pieces. It's not just comedy moments. And whilst you could argue that they all have that to a lesser degree, you know, something like, I mean, Carry On Cabbie wasn't made as a Carry On film for a start, mm. you know, but even something like Carry On Spying, which I think is the last black and white one, unless I'm very much mistaken. Uh, you're, you're right on that one. But the Carry On Spying works for me. I, in a way, I think if you colorized it, it wouldn't work as well. There's something about the black and whiteness of spying that really works as a piece of cinema. It's kind of it looks like the third man. It looks, you know, that sort of that tradition of the those kind of films. It feels that it belongs to those. And if it was in color, I think it would look cheaper and tackier and just look like a very the 
James Bond knockoff it truly is. Hello, hello. Agent Bind. James? No, Charlie. Number? Double O. Oh. Oh, what? I have no idea. And they looked at me and they said, uh oh, oh. What I like about spying, and, and the thing that I always sort of mention when we talk about spying, I know we're not supposed to be talking about spying today, but is that some of the jokes in Carry On Spying ended up being in the James Bond film, which I just think is, <laughs> I think Octopussy uses the uh, poison pen letters one. Yes. And I just think it's, I just think it's a really interesting thing that the, the, the main films that they were spoofing eventually started using material. Like Milchman, was... Milchman features yeah. in, in the Ter- Timothy Dalton. Uh, the the raid on uh, is it Bla- the the uh, safe house anyway is it Blaine yes. or Bla- yeah. whatever it's called so I, you know it, I think it's that's interesting because there is a cleverness to the the carry on films you know there's a smartness to the jokes they are at this stage in the black and white era specifically I know they made a couple of color ones and then went back to black and white I know it sort of ebbs and flows but there seems to be a cleverness a sharpness it it you know fifties comedy like um, uh, Hancock's Half Hour, like the, the Goons, there's a smartness to the comedy, and I like that. And I think I and I think it loses a bit uh, when they maybe. I mean, I, I no one could accuse the Carry On films of having big budgets, but maybe when they got more money, somehow they they didn't try as hard. I mean, I know people love camping. I know people love up the Kyber. You know, all those things. I know that they, these are all favourites. You know, you know. I still think the black and white ones work best. Sorry, I've gone on. No, you haven't. You're it's all right. I think a lot of that comes down to, and before we move away from um, Carry On Spying, I was always upset that we did not have a Cafe Mozart at 10 o'clock uh, in a James Bond film where he's meeting <laughs> someone. <laughs> Cafe Mozart, 10 o'clock. So I think a lot of that comes down to Nor- Nor- uh, Norman Huddis, the writer. Mm and the adapter because mm. especially with um carrying on sergeant carry on sergeant was adapted from uh already uh, a screenplay by That's another field, isn't it? by by rf delderfields but that screenplay was completely different to what actually came out mm. of carry on sergeant but yeah yeah all, all homage to what followed but those six black and white films are quite unique and i think they should be viewed as a separate franchise if you like mm. because well, i think I, certainly i mean i would argue that i mean I, i'm not as huge a fan of carry on nurse you know because it's again it's a little bit broad but but yeah. carry on nurse is actually pretty much and it's got an iconic scene in it you know when it comes down to the history of british comedy you can't not have wilfred hyde white and the daffodil you can't you know it's yeah. there colonel whatever's going on Come, come, matron. Sure, you've seen a temperature taken like this before. <laughs> yes, Colonel, many times, but never with a daffodil. Uh, carry on, constable. I just think is a great little crime caper. You know, carry on, teacher. Again, you know, it's in the tradition of the Will Hay films and all that kind of thing. Cabbie, I just love as a film. I just think it's clever and, it, and again, it's smart and it's it's more about the battle of the sexes and everything like that. It's just, it just feels a smart film. Regardless is a portmanteau and... Mm. It lost its way a lot on Regardless and it is seen as as the weaker black and whites, but mm. I would go with uh, I would go with Cabbie and Carry On Sergeant mm. as being the best of the black and whites. But again, spying I will always have a place in my heart because I just I just yeah. think it's... Uh, and of course... It's not Barbara Windsor's pointy bra then. 
skewer kebabs on. No, I, I, it's, it's obviously it's obviously uh, Bernard Cribbins in drag. I think it's, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> what was it with? Ba- I, Belly um, dancing. Oh, when Barbara <laughs> first um, first came on to came on to set and she did her piece and Kenneth Williams says, "Oh, is she really going to talk about that?" And she gets get you with a face of, um, I was like, "Who is it's Minge hairs?" <laughs> she came out with, "Oh, gosh, I've forgotten her name now. It's gone straight in my head." Oh, she, it'll come to me. She's in Carry On Screaming. Oh, Fenella Fielding. Yes, look at you with Fenella Fielding's minge hair all round your chops. It's the first <laughs> thing she said to him. And I thought, oh, that's just wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And they became the best of friends. They did indeed. So there's something about <laughs> Fenella's minge hair that, uh, yeah, I, I won't keep that bit in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was me thinking some of the notes I made I can use now. <laughs> If we don't have to worry about language restrictions. Oh, no, don't worry about that. No, we've never worried about it before. No, indeed. Uh, but carry on, Sergeant. Uh, 1958 film. First of, is it 27, is it? Yeah. Or 33? Carry on, well, it, it depends where you want to look at it, because I always take uh, that's carry on out of it. And quite frankly, carry on. Emmanuel is not a carry on film. It's just tits and arse. And um, it's a sad indictment when they... Um, we have Carry On Columbus, where, quite frankly, it shouldn't have been made. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually went to see it in the cinema. It does have one cracking line in it. My my favourite is the, it's the bit about the shark, and it's the line where, where he says, will they swallow me all? And he goes, no, I think they spit that bit out. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a traditional Carry On line, isn't it? Well, I do, I do, I do like that. That's my favourite line. I, I remember laughing absolutely out loud in the cinema to that. I wasn't sure that I may be the only person in there. <laughs> oh, makes note of that comment to find that clip. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, Carry On Sergeant uh, being the first. Now, this is an interesting piece because it's basically, it's a national service skit, isn't it? When all yeah. said and done. And it really, it it isn't, when you when you look at the pattern, if you were looking at the formula for a carry-on film, it completely fails to take that on board. I mean, it starts at a wedding, which, uh, and then uh, basically uh, Bob Monkhouse's character gets called up at the wedding, and and then it's uh, it's it's a lot of montages, you know, because basically this is a training film in some ways, and you have to bear with me on this. If you watch the first half of Full Metal Jacket, there is very little difference. In... <laughs> I've now seen Hartnell going, this is your gun. This is... <laughs> and you I'm not going mean... to read the rest of that out. The actual structure of... Yeah, it of, is. No, it is. You're right. Carry On Sergeant is very, very similar to the first half of Full Metal Jacket. Again, fascinating and possibly bonkers as an idea but it it feels like now the other thing of course is that um, are you trying to imply that um carry on sergeant laid the foundations for most modern day absolutely post post second world war yeah. combat films absolutely the the structure is exactly the same give or take i mean obviously you don't get someone blowing their own well, it's head a dirty off. dozen isn't it well, you have that training montage during that as well I mean, it's easy to see patterns that aren't, you know, aren't there i get that but yeah. actually it's it's wow. very much you it's the naive people they arrive they are transformed they get the kit all the beats are there that are in all those other films and i just think that is a fascinating it shows the strength of the, that original script for a start 
Join Bob Monkhouse in Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yes, but I think the other the other side of that is also to to take that idea and remember that at this time Granada were making the army game. Yes, and and I think this is in the period actually when William Hartnell had been in the army um, the army game the army yeah. game but hadn't returned to the army game. So this is actually and there were there was an army game film made. So again, forces comedy. I mean, when you think about it, uh, the Americans were also making Bilko about this yeah. time. Yep. So that you know, the army comedy was was quite rich because national service was part of everybody's. Uh, vocabulary yeah i mean for those of us don't know uh, national service ran from 1949 to 1960 but it wasn't all um flowers and excitement and training it um, not only that the people who were uh, called up in 60 would have carried on till 63 so yeah it, it had, it, originally it started off as a uh, 18 month service but it could be extended ending up to three mm. years i mean we lost a lot of service people during mm. uh, cyprus the korean mm. war That's and right. And, of course, the Suez Crisis. And if you watch a show like um, uh, Red Cap, of course, you know, you actually realise how how ubiquitous the British Army were in the days of empire and the days of the uh, Commonwealth. You know, they were sent all over the world. And, you know, these were, it, this, this, I mean, you know, again, this is played for comedy. This was played for comedy. But the the actual training, I mean, when it comes down to it, what this film does is is it's a confirmation of the idea that warfare is a good and improving thing for young men to be trained for. Oh, it's character building. It will make a man of you, that type of attitude. Even if it's Charles Hawtrey. <laughs> oh, I, I want to bring Hawtrey up later because there's oh. an interesting aspect, unless you want to bring Hawtrey up now. Well, no, well, I think what is interesting is watching this film, as I, as I did for this again, you realise just how young all the actors were. I mean, this is, I mean, Sid James isn't in this, so you're no. know, knocking the average up. But, <laughs> but, but you know, the young, I mean, the young Kenneth Williams, I mean, Kenneth Williams would have been known from Hancock, you know, but young Kenneth Williams, I mean, Charles Hawtrey had been around for a long time as a child actor, you know, and in yeah. all sorts of uh, Powell and Pressburger uh, appearances as well. He for was a known, yeah, so he must have been knocking on a bit, healing, but yeah. he still looks incredibly young in in Carry On Sergeant, you know, and of course, uh, people like Norman Rossington, who, again, they yes. they all look like children. It's bizarre. I mean, let's face it. Bill Owen, used... Bill Owen looking young. I've never wow. seen Bill Owen looking that young. Oh, and uh, Bob Monkhouse, I mean, you think about uh, Bob Monkhouse oh, and his career, and if you know him from, you know, all those quiz shows or what, what have you. But actually, Bob Monkhouse as an actor. I mean, I think he didn't carry on with the Carry On films, ironically, because he went on. He had his own film series. He was he was seen as the lead in the dentist yeah. films. So, but again, one of the things that crossed my mind is William Hartnell. William Hartnell is first billed on this film. William Hartnell is the star of this film, although he doesn't actually feature in it all that much. Weirdly, yeah. however. Can you imagine a world in which William Hartnell signed up to become a, a carry-on regular? Oh, he would be the Sid James, wouldn't he? Well, this is it. Can you imagine how different some of these films would have been if it had been Hartnell? I'm now putting a Hartnell clip in on clip in of him going yak yak yak. I can <laughs> see it, and it's wrong. It's wrong. Him and Barbara Windsor. It's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Getting his lines wrong and wearing well, his pipe and slippers. In, in film, he get 
multiple takes, so he wouldn't yeah. have got the lines wrong. He was, he was, he's a very good comedy actor. Harley. He he knows. I mean, I'm I'm sorry to bring who into oh. this, but I'm going to something like Gunfighters. Mm. He's perfect for that particular story, and he he knows how to play comedy, and and that is not to camp it up. And that is not to play it for laughs. It's to play it straight line, straight down the line. But the expressions that he give to, to the audience is just wonderful. It, you can read it on his face. He's so good. Yeah, and of course, if, if he's in a close-up, his hands will be there. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> they can only see this part of your on the screen, dear boy. <laughs> but you know, he's, he's he's very good. I know again that because of things he is reported to have said people have people have now decided to you know cancel the whole Hartnell thing in certain quarters which again is nonsense but it well I mean you know if he said he, he said it but I mean you know it, what I'm you know it, what I'm saying is as a performer Hartnell is a very strong comedy actor he's uh, on the top of his game at that point because he's at Brighton Rock yes he's had Hell Drivers yes. and if we want to go back a little bit to 48 he's had the way ahead yes of course yes and um, this is sort of where it pigeonholed him, wasn't it, uh, to be well, a, I think, a sergeant? Because obviously uh, the um, what's what's the rugby coach when he does uh, sporting life? Sporting life. The, when he does sporting life a couple of years later, you know, hey, it, lad, you've got to see sort of carry on sergeant as a as a very you know big stepping stone. God, you yes. see what I mean? But I mean, so, I know that there's this thing that he was getting fed up of being always cast as sergeant majors, but he went back to the army game. Mm. He went back and it was a role that made him. I mean, Granada's Granada's The Army Game was in, you know, every house in the country that had television. You know, uh, you have to quantify in 1958. <laughs> <laughs> there are four so. sets in the country. <laughs> yeah, there are four. four Someday we may need six television sets for the entire country. Yeah. No, um, but and they're all he, next door to the studio. But I don't think he would have done Carry On Sergeant if he didn't feel it was a strong part for him. And I think he is very good in this. And I think the interesting thing to me, again, is when, if you watch uh, the Army Games, I know it's very difficult to get hold of now because of network, but if you you actually watch the Army Games set, when it goes back to that fourth series after Bootsy and Snudge leave and, and Hartnell returns, it's very interesting that, his, his comedy is spot on and that again is live television yeah so all that stuff about you know him fluffing his life i i mean i know people say he was ill and everything like that but i think a lot of it was deliberate i think a lot of it was a little bit of comedy that he was he was putting in because it was he, he thought it was funny you know yeah mr werp yes which was his line yes well he he, he knows how to, he knows how to fill a screen as well oh he, absolutely he is he is your archetypal sergeant. This is the one that you wouldn't want as your sergeant major because I remember he says, um, "I'm a I can be gentle and kind, but I can be a veritable Jekyll and Hyde." And I'm thinking, is this sort of um, a self reflection on yourself here, Bill? <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing again is when you analyse carry on sergeant generally. Again, setting it aside from the other carry on the films it actually the actual thrust of it the actual plot of it is all based around the idea of kindness yes. kindness reaping benefits 
And I think that for 1958 is a very powerful thing. Now, I know, you know, you could argue that the people writing this and the actors were possibly not the best national service material. There would have been, you know, the, the should we say, the people like, well, like myself, really, you know, be a bit sort of the wimps and the, uh, the not, you know, and the sensitive types, if you like, or the uh, you know the the creatives and the writers and and the uh, the actors and the people who didn't really want to be shooting guns at people, and so that having that sort of through thread for the story of being based around kindness, it's it's very interesting. This whole idea that he would experiment with his final his final troop to go through. Is fine for for them instead of because he's never managed to have a championship platoon. So I mean, they only have to win out of four, so it must have been a really bad run. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he's not interested in the fifty nicker that he would mm. win. But no, he's not because he fifty pound off all of them. No, that's what I want to know. Would he have had to pay out one hundred and fifty if he'd? Uh, I reckon it is. It's fifty quid for the lot of them because if you if you you look at the reaction of the two um, two sergeant majors. <laughs> One of whom was played by Terry Scott. Oh, Fifty quid, God, blimey! Yeah. So yeah, it is kind. It, it is very kind, and it's the the ultimate kindness comes at the end, doesn't it? And that always brings a bit of a lump to my throat. Yes, it is because ultimately he has earned the respect of this this bunch of reprobates. They are it, it described at one point as basically being the worst ever platoon that he's ever had to to uh, train, and not you know any one of them could bring down a a you know, stop a, a, a platoon from winning championship uh but but all of them together they haven't got a hope in hell i mean to be fair in terms of plotting and the conceit of the plot is it it's it's far-fetched they are not going to turn it around overnight just because they decide they're suddenly going to be the best but that is that's cinema for you that's storytelling for you and basically at the end of the film not to want to spoil it to you they they decide overnight that actually this guy they they find out he's going to retire the next day. They find out it's his last thing. They realise that he's actually been treating them fairly and decently, and they decide to absolutely make as much possible effort as they can, including getting Norman Rossington's character. Again, Norman Rossington's character, very interesting. I'll come back to that in a second. But they all band together, and he wins. And he and they and as they're heading off into the the end credits, they they give him this. Well, they give him a cigarette lighter. Give him yes. a Ronson lighter. Yeah. Yes. From, from from all the lads or from all the boys or whatever it was. Yeah, called. that's but, it. From all the boys. But uh, but uh, the other interesting thing actually is this Norman Rossington's character. The interesting thing about that is again, as a powerful aspect of this film, Norman Rossington's character is seen as a bit simple. He's never managed to qualify. He's been going through course after course after course until quotes the army gave up on him, yes. and. It basically comes down to the fact that Kenneth Williams's character takes an interest in him and shows him how to do the things in a way that he understands. So it's about education. There's a very strong thread of if you take the time to try, you know, help people, yeah. they will actually work it out. But they may be a bit slower, but they will get there if only you find a way of helping them find what it is that they don't understand and that i think is, that's a fascinating thread of the film that is one of my favorite scenes where he he says to him um how'd you learn 
Mm. How do you how do you read? How do you learn? How do you become intelligent? Because all the way through the film, we've seen uh, Kenneth Williams is quite he's used quite sparingly, mm. um, but as quite a he's dis- a, he dis- comes across as yeah he's yes. dis- almost arrogant in, in his attitude. Right? Why? Don't ask why. Do as you told you in the army, son. Oh, not quite. I'm still a civilian with civilian rights. Now don't shout. What is your name? Please, Bailey, James Bailey. How do you do? Fine, absolutely bloody fine. But I feel even better once you're in uniform. Thank you, Sergeant. And it's that wonderful moment where they come come together, and he, he sits and he just he goes, "Oh, this is my." And you see, this is his moment to shine and say, "I want to pass something on to you." Mm. Uh, it's just wonderful when they sit on the bed and he's going through how to put together the rifle, how to put the webbing together. And it's just a lovely scene. Uh, it's such a wonderful scene. It's so warm. Human, it's, it's, I think. It's, 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 I think it's, it's possibly, if you wanted to find the most beautiful scene in a carry-on film, I suspect that really would be up there. You know, yeah. I, I, setting aside all that, it's just a very human thing. And I think it's a very... It's a it's it's very well written. It's very well performed. Oh, but actually, the underlying message of that is very strong. The other interesting thing is, uh, if you take the film as a whole, mm-hmm. the film as a whole is basically on one level, it's Bob Monkhouse gets called up on his wedding day, and his his new wife comes to work in the camp as a naive. I have to uh, say, he's got a good choice in wives. Well, Shirley Eaton, yeah. Shirley Eaton, my word, get that gold paint out, boy. Yeah. But there is a there is again, there's an interesting subtext to the film generally here is how incredibly odd the British are about sex. Yes, there's there's this everything's a bit, you know, basically there's a whole lot of thing about that. We're so they're so coy about basically, you know, a lot of the first part of the film is about them getting together so they can have have their proper wedding nights. (laughs) You know, and there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I, the reason, this is in my notes, so I will, so bear with me, but basically, there's basically a lot of, ho, 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 have a fuck. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> it seems to be there's a lot of, nudge, wink, you know, but basically, this scene, the entire scene is about getting them into a place where they've got a bed. Yes. So they can basically, he can deflower, <laughs> he can take the virginity of his wife, which again, is a weirdly, I don't know. It's a weird subtext to have in a film. I mean, when you think about all the sexuality that goes on in the later carry on films or the mm. or the, uh, shall we say, repressed sexuality that quite often goes on in, in, in the later carry on films. That basically is about give Bob Monkhouse a fuck <laughs> or, or give Shirley Eaton a fuck if you want to look at it from a female perspective. Absolutely. Uh, you clarified that. And of course, the the other interesting thing is then you get the Dora Bryan and um, oh, Kenneth um, Connor, Kenneth Connor uh, <laughs> coupling. Uh, where basically, after all the soldiers in all the world have come through this camp, love at first sight, Horace. Horace, and uh, the name really, really goes with his character, doesn't it? But I think I, I mean you you watch this film and basically you notice oh, Kenneth Connor. Norma. Kenneth Connor is stealing that film scene by scene, isn't he? Yeah, it's building up, isn't it? It's all them, all. Up. I mean, I mean, this there are there are two or three very long montage scenes in this, which are just basically visual gags. Yep. You know, uh, you know, with swinging on ropes or bayonets. Slaps. Or, it's traditional slapstick. 
you know, and and that does make the you know the, the running time it fills up the running time because these are just army jokes that would have been very familiar to the people going to see this film. I mean, it made a fortune at the box office compared to what it cost to make. But but basically, every single one of those montage scenes he steals by being this um, hypochondriac. <laughs> but he plays almost plays the same character in in Carry On Constable, doesn't he? Mm. Yes, well, he's he's very suspicious. He's a uh, superstitious in superstitious. Whereas in this one, he's, he's a, a contract. He's a sceptic. Sceptic. Yes. I am not. Yes. Well, I think that's the fascinating thing. Basically, again, part of the plot is him and uh, Dora Bryan uh, getting together over the course of. I mean, I don't know why she pursues him. He's. I mean, the first half of the film, he so runs away at the sight of her. You think <laughs> she really would have given up by now? <laughs> I love the bit where he runs past Hartnell being pursued by Dora Bryan, and he, um, Bill Hartnell turns to his corporal, played by Bill Owen, and said, "At least he's good at something." <laughs> <laughs> Bill Owen's good in this, actually. Bill Owen is very good. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if you watch, you know, his his last few last of summer wine episode you know and how old he looks uh, towards the end but actually to see him young and vital and and you know it it it's amazing to me acting you know just aside as actors in film is how you do get to see people throughout their entire life really you know you see them young you see them old and and i think it's a fascinating thing it, it must have been i think it must have been terrifying for the actual person themselves to see themselves on screen and realize how they used to look and how they do look you know it must be quite oh my god you know what happened to me but i think as a as a viewer as a, a dispassionate viewer if you like it's just fascinating to see these people at different stages in their career and Bill Owen is very good in this. I want to bring up Charlie Hawtrey. Ah. Um, do you think he thinks he's the star of the show? I think Charles Hawtrey always thinks he's the star of everything he's in. <laughs> yes. But I, but I think that's not a bad thing because I think no, that, it that works I, well. I think because I think uh, Kenneth Williams also thinks he's the star. Um, so yeah, but it's, I think that's why Kenneth Williams and Tony Hancock didn't get on. Yeah. Because he didn't really want. Kenneth Williams never saw himself as a, as a second fiddle to anybody, really. And I think that might indeed explain why sometimes he, he was abrasive with uh, Sid James, because when Sid James joins the Carry On team, he, he is very much, he become, in the public view, he becomes the star of the Carry On. People associate it with, with, they build the plots around, God almighty, sorry, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear Do you need an arc? No, well, pretty much, I don't know why I need <laughs> But they, they start to build plots around Sid James and he becomes the core about which the plot comes. And whilst Kenneth Williams is always associated with the Carry On films, he's, he's sort of seen as, he's, he's brought in as a grotesque sometimes. He's not, yeah, he's, he's never really the lead, if you see what I mean. Certainly not after the black and whites. I mean, I, I think the last time he's really properly the lead is spying. Yeah, yeah. It's such a shame, really. Yeah, I, I think, again, I mean, maybe he wasn't his own, you know, maybe he wasn't his own uh, best friend in these things. I think he, he didn't serve himself well sometimes. I mean, antics aside, you know, but um, I, th- I think just sometimes that it was possibly it, they weren't because he might say, oh, I'm not going to do another one. They, mo- they wouldn't write his character yeah. and then suddenly he'll decide to do it. I mean, I think his character is in, in Cabby. He was supposed to be the, uh, is it Norman, what's his name? But anyway, the guy, you know, who's the shop steward oh, in yes. Cabby yeah. Was, yeah. was written with Williams in mind. And then when Williams said he wasn't doing it, they sort of cut that role back a bit. 
and it was a second fiddle character really so I, I i think it's interesting because when he does i mean when you think about cowboy when he does the sheriff all the scenes he does you know in uh, up to kyber all these things they're, they're big moments but they're not leading throughout the film and this is this is what i like about him in this he is just held back he's held back i am i don't know because well, i think he's great chooses... constable actually in the same way in this and constable he his role is really spot on yeah you know in fact again as i said before they're very similar they're very they mm-hmm. have that air of superiority but when it comes down to it they're very human and very, yeah, yeah they're very human and very plausible and and quite childlike to a certain extent i mean in constable witness him and hawtrey dressing up in drag yeah but again hawtrey yes he may think he's the star but he's very good in this he's very very good in this i mean this is where his pedigree of, of working on films comes with <laughs> And uh, he knows how to to play to the audience again. In fact, looking at the the uh, like Hartnell, he knows how to play to the audience. I think Bill Owen does just so. Uh, definitely Eric Barker. Eric Barker. Oh well, Eric Barker is gets to say the immortal line, "Carry on, Sergeant," at least three times. <laughs> I think he's the only one. I don't know if you ever did that thing where if the name of the film got mentioned have a drink well or or in the cinema just applaud i mean i don't know that it was it was one of those things it was a game that some people used to play you know if you were watching dad that was a really 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 bad one yes (laughs) but the unbearable lightness of being you're probably you're okay (laughs) well all of you are half asleep like a lot of flamingos not half as clever flamingos go to sleep on one leg you lot are all asleep on two how many legs does the flamingo go to sleep on? Um, slow, slow. Quick, quick, sir. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Alert mind plus responsive body equals efficient soldier. But uh, people like, see, Eric Barker, and I've, I've been reading about him recently, was so multifaceted. He was more of a writer than he was uh, a comic performer, wasn't he? Because um, P.G. Woodhouse loved his books. And said he was an extremely talented writer, but he had his own BBC show at the time of um, of of when this film would have been going out. That he he worked with Nicholas Parsons and Derek Guiler uh, with no washboard. So he was very very popular. But yeah, he always plays those authoritarian characters, doesn't he? People who are easily offended and but supposed to be in control. But the Peter Principle plays out more than anything else with his mm-hmm. characters. I think he's also. I mean, again, uh, he's very good as the. Is it the station chief, ch- no, chief the inspe- constable or the whatever? Inspector, it is? Yeah, the inspector, yeah, in, in, yeah. In Karen Constable, but is that, are they the only two he does? I'm trying to think. I don't. He did. No, don't I think he, any others. I can't remember in any others. No. Uh, I was going to say um, uh, Karen Teacher, but it's not, is it? Because it's what's his face as the. Uh, oh, he's, in, he's inspiring. He's inspiring because he he's the he's he's chief back at. You know his his office gets blown up with the lift underneath it. So, <laughs> so he's he, so he's in three of the black and whites. Yeah. That's ages since I've seen spying. Well, it's another one to talk about, but uh, but there we go. I think we're covering it a lot in this one today. <laughs> I've got distracted again. I've got distracted again, Warren. I'm sorry. There's I, I have to say with there are so many also actors in the background, mm. and I've made a list. I don't know if you've made a list, but I've made a list of actors who don't even get credited. Oh, so, okay. So we got people like Edward Judd. Mm. Blinking, you miss it. He's a storekeeper. Yes. Uh, Gary Waldhorn. Right. He's, he's actually a, a very, very young platoon member. Right. Uh, you got I know, Leon, I know 
Jack Smethurst is in there, and I know Bernard yeah. Kay is in there. Bernard Kay gets yes. an actual line, doesn't he? He does, yes, because he's injured waiting to see the doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jack Frank. Smethurst. Yeah. Hey, grab onto your seat for this. Derek Martinus. Ah, yes. And I didn't realise, it wasn't till this morning that I saw that, and I went, it can't be. It is, it's the actor-director. And But then you've got Billy Bunter, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, well, Jerry Billy Campion. Bunter actually plays yeah. quite a large role in it. He gets some very key moments, and he and he's very front and centre of the frame. I, I was I was quite, I was thinking of Gerald Campion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Frank Forsyth is in there, briefly. Uh, you know, there are, there are some proper names. But I, what, what gets me, and there's a scene that I, I would like to, uh, talk about at, yeah, at sure. some length which is when <laughs> well it's there are two scenes it's hattie jakes hattie jakes is playing the medical officer to whom kenneth connor becomes this kind of bane of their life there's a <laughs> wonderful deadpan scene where he comes in and she sort of and it's like seen it all before you know same time tomorrow yeah you know yeah and <laughs> that, to say I, that yeah I love that scene. But the interesting thing is when she finally takes him in hand and decides that the only way to deal with his problem is to basically take him to all the row of medical experts. Some of the actors in that oh, medical experts. Oh, my word. Yes. Basil Diggins in there, for God's yes. sake. Yeah, I've got I've got the last um, James Villiers. Um, oh, gosh, yes. Who have I got down here? Martin Bodery. There are so many. Them. Well, it's, I mean, it's a whole row of different people who deal with him. And at, at the end of it, yeah. though, and then he's he becomes transformed into a kind of short Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the psychology of it tells Bicycle him. Bicycle repair man. <laughs> but I, I love that. I just think, again, it's interesting that, that, um, that Hattie Jakes, again, it's not a major role in it, but it's so key. And... Again, she knocks it out of the park. And I think that's the interesting thing about the ensemble comedy is that when they get their moment in the spotlight, they knock it out of the park. And again, that is possibly what is the strength of Kenneth Williams in the later films is actually it's not that he's in the entire film. But when he gets a scene frying tonight or whatever it is, you know, it's it's uh, all made from put them away or whatever you know it's 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 kind of it's key and it's memorable and i think that's the beauty of the scenes that um, hattie jakes gets in this film she's not an important part of it she's just the mo really it's not a big role and yet it's seen it's so key to how it shapes how um kenneth connor's character you know is dealt with but she again you know it's it's there's a little bit of underlying caringness in that film it's a little bit. She doesn't just, you know, put him on report or whatever. It actually, I'm going to solve this man's problem. Boy, does he have a problem! <laughs> Dora O'Brien can save him. Only do, he know he's got a bad problem if Dora O'Brien is the only one that can save him. Well, Bob Bunkhouse is good in this. I, 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 I know. Good, yeah. I know. We've we've kind of sort of gone around, sort of gone around the houses and not really talked about Bob Monkhouse. This was probably seen as a Bob Monkhouse vehicle. I mean, William Hartnell may have had first billing, but Bob Monkhouse is really. I mean, he gets the and, doesn't he, on the credits? He but does. he's he's uh, he's you know he's the youthful, vigorous star. And I think it's interesting that he's not seen as devious in the way that some of the characters in the Army Game are a bit a bit dodgy and a bit you know up to up to tricks and and dodges he's he's seen as a straight arrow all the way through it he's just had this misfortune to get the call up on his wedding day he's the only person who we've seen that we see any of their personal life beyond the camp you know they they only exist 
in and around the fact that they are in this army camp together apart from him but the interesting thing to me is that there's that scene where he he's not listening to the instructor because he's 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 kissing the window and the instructor says right put this gun back together and he does and but right at the end of it it's not that he's being a smart ass there's no (laughs) i'm better than you he actually says no I, i wasn't listening i actually I used to work in this factory. (laughs) There's such an innocence to that. Yes. So are you aware of what the original screenplay was for Bull Uh, Boys? I've heard of the Bull Boys. I don't really know. I know it was very different. The idea for them doing national service was going to be a troop of ballet dancers doing Mm. their national service. Right. That's what it was originally oh, going to be. It's ain't hot, mum. Yes, it is to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was it was written in '55, but yeah, actually, yeah, thinking about it more, it does come across of it ain't half hot, mum. But I think the adaptation that what they went for in the end was more successful than they could possibly imagine. Well, I mean, the fact that it started the series, the Carry On series, I think, is is a very interesting, you know, the fact that, that it's, it's. I mean, because to be honest, if we'd been given that title, you couldn't have had a whole series of films that started with The Bull. <laughs> the Bull Nurse, you know, The Bull Teacher, the, the Bull Constable, it, it wouldn't, you know. It, and of course, it had immediate uh, identification. It was a brand from the very answer. I mean, there is actually, isn't there, Carry On Admiral is a film... There is. Carry On Admiral was, um, I think it's either late 40s, early 50s. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, they're aware of that. But they thought, well, you know, that was something of nothing. So I like the idea of having this brand. Mm. Um, um, uh, and it was a case of, um, originally they were looking at three pictures. They were mm. just going to give it a three, three picture franchise. And mm. it just expanded and they couldn't mm. stop it. I think the also the the interesting thing is again there there is an innocence to Sergeant weirdly I mean considering it's actually uh, in terms of its subject matter it's possibly the most um, I mean you 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 get Karen England later on which returns to the army yeah. you know but actually in terms of what they do in some ways they are they are being trained throughout this film to be brutal i mean they, when you i i find it difficult even though it's played for laughs i find it difficult to watch the bayonetting scene for example yeah the bayonet yeah. practice scene not they don't bayonet somebody it's <laughs> it's it's the when they're uh, kill, you know, killing the dummies because what they're being asked to do is be what the army expects you to do in those circumstances which is to be dehumanized and de- dehumanize the enemy and actually if you read that to you know to literally it comes across as actually being quite disturbing but of course it's played for laughs and and everything like that i think though again what i like about sergeant what i like even about uh, most of the early carry-ons is is a thing that i i come back to i came back to it i think when uh when we were talking about um uh the blue lamp it's the lost worlds this this idea of worlds that we can only you know we can't imagine now the world was so different then there are little things i mean there there are wonderful things like um the price list in the cafe oh yeah you know where it's like two pence or two d for i mean two d is uh, even that well, is you a can have buy a mug of bovril or, or horlicks or bovril horlicks, yes or bread, or bread and butter you know and all this kind of thing and i think that again it, it this is i mean 1958 i think we're still at the very end of rationing towards the end yeah you know and then there's stuff like that and and again there's that that there's that wonderful joke about the chits 
<laughs> that is a one no that is i just i'd forgotten about that i know you play it. yeah he's just one hip he, he he's just one he this man is one hill of chips oh chits oh i can't do it now i'll, have to put, the clip, <laughs> I'll put the clip in there <laughs> But yeah, that is a wonderful line. But then, of course, you also get this this weird. Um, <laughs> it's it's 1958, so, <laughs> so when Horace finally comes round to realizing that he <laughs> he actually does want to spend his life with Dora Bryan's character, is do you want to be my doll? Want to be my doll, babe. <laughs> And of course, even the fact that someone gets given the cigarette lighter, I mean, it, 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 you know, it, it's a, it is a different world, but it's a fascinating world. Uh, again, as somebody who's never been through you know, military service in any way, shape, or form, and probably would have absolutely been crushed to have to, you know, all that, or I would have been going, I would have been Kenneth Williams going, why do we have to do all this nonsense? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not. I'm not built for that kind of thing uh, just because it it seems preposterous to me. And if something seems preposterous to me, I'm going to say I would have probably spent the rest of my life in the glass house. I was going to say all of us will be recording this now from the glass house. I'm afraid so. Yes. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, again, there are weird things. It's like there's a scene in this. I, I, I've just seen my note for this. And it's it's um, Bob Monkhouse and his wife mincing bread through a oh yes i th- I, I i thought i was miss seeing that scene yesterday hmm. i'm looking at is she really shoving a loaf down there? <laughs> yeah and again it's again it's it's this whole thing of making food go further you know that was part and parcel of the 50s life i mean you know all the other stuff i mean i, I always like the fact that the old cars and and the old fashions and everything like that you know it's not an era that that i would encourage us to ever return to but it is fascinating to see there's something about everyone's deserted in that parade ground as well mm. isn't it there's no one else there until they have the large parade at the end but there's a there's a very large parade. Of course, it's uh, the the band is is a female band as well, which again just you know yeah, it, it, it's really interesting that that uh, I suppose they were just the regulars that they got in to do those scenes really. But yeah, because it's uh, originally it was Coldstream Guards that did the soundtrack. Mm. But yeah, I, I didn't realise. Yeah, there's the, the, there's the she taps her her stick, doesn't she, on the side mm. of her leg, mm. and away the ladies go. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, all these soldiers appear marching across very well. And of course, basically, uh, any any film in the end, you know, even if it's by mistake, uh, has uh, William Hartnell being woken up by Shirley Eaton in the middle of the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, it wasn't. It was Bob Monkhouse right there, blowing him a kiss as he did so. <laughs> no, but didn't she go in first and then? He, she saw, and... she switched the lamp on, yeah. saw Hartnell, and went, "Oh, yeah. not having any of that." Yeah. Switched off. <laughs> but the, the, she went one way. Bob came in through the door, and she thought, "Well, I'm not going to warn him." <laughs> and, and one that... final is the, the kit scene. When 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 they're all being issued with the kit, and how amusing is that generally? And that must have been just one of those familiar jokes to anybody who'd ever been through the army. But it's the it's when. <laughs> It's when Kenneth Connor has to be kitted out in record time. Oh, he shoots down that. And it's no, but it's not. It's not that scene in itself that I find particularly because you know that's just it's just speeded up, and it's the fact that they've been told they can knock off, and then suddenly <laughs> they've all they're not allowed to go on their break until this last man is done, and it's just that wonderfully British. Oh, f- 
Oh, yeah, go on, I know through as fast as you can. It's all, it's all these people walking off because they want to do, they want to have a cup of tea, <laughs> and it's just this, this suddenly they've got to go back to work, and and the the sheer reluctance in all those um all those actors are just ah, oh, it's wonderfully done, it's wonderfully done. But overall, I, I I do think, I mean, setting all aside, I mean, those those are elements, and and it is a fabulous cast and then it is yeah. you know there are some astonishingly interesting if you're a fan of just actor spotting there's an awful lot of really good moments in there really good faces to be seen in there it, you know and again this is a lot of them at the very beginning of their career these people who will turn up in all sorts of films and uh, tv throughout the 60s and 70s but i just think overall as an 18 minute uh, army comedy as a feel-good film, I just think you can't beat it. You know, I, it, it probably took three or four goes for actually for the Carry On series to reach the heights of this again. You know, it's a really solid film. It's a really solid British comedy film. And, you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of comedy. You know, if, if I'm going to come on a show like this and talk about films, I, comedies are not what I'm going to end up talking about. But I just think it's such an enjoyable less than hour and a half of your life. And it's really worth seeing. Thank you very much, Martin, for walking us through comedy, copulation and kindness. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, thank you very much indeed for joining me. In. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Martin Holmes can be found every Sunday, boys and girls, every Sunday on Fab Radio International Channel (laughs) One. If he turns up, yep, live from the Apollo. Well, it's not it's not live. It really isn't live. (laughs) He's every Sunday and you can't trust me with live if you don't just listen to this. I could have a couple of bleeps in there. I know that. <laughs> but no, he's every Sunday and he's found on Vision on Sound and he's found all over the place at the moment. He does A to Z of television. Um, he's been flashing with Gordon. Um, he's been doing all sorts of things. Martin, <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Cinematic Sausage. My voice still belongs to your host, Warren H. Cummings. If you've enjoyed having your eardrums tickled, you might want to check out our back catalogue. Now there's even an edition where I I carry out a whistle-stop visit to the Carry On Films franchise in its entirety. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share the link and pass the word and give it that like button thumbs up. Thanks for the listen and join me again next time here on The Cinematic Sausage.